Welcome to Rewriting Your Happily Ever After podcast. In today's episode, I will be speaking with a friend who was a former colleague and we worked together while we were both in Hyderabad. At that time, I was going through separation and my divorce process, but Priya was married then. Later she went through a divorce and today she shares with us her divorce journey. Stay tuned for a very interesting conversation. Hello and welcome to the Rewriting Your Happily Ever After podcast. Today I'm speaking to a former colleague and good friend, Priya. Priya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Ranjini. Okay, so we have spent a few years together in the same workplace in, in Hyderabad. And of course, that time I was going through my separation and, and divorce and you were yeah, married at that time. And then in subsequent years, as I was rebuilding my life, I, I know that you also went through uh, a tough time in, in your marriage. So can you tell us a little bit about your current status? Where are you uh, both uh, physically located and what, what's your marital status right now? Yeah, so I was married uh, for 11 years. Uh, married in 1998 after I completed my MBBS and I was uh, doing a job. Uh, internship. So I had planned to do my post-graduation or MD. So within before that, I got married. It was an arranged marriage. And after 11 years of marriage, uh, I think um, we got separated. It was, it was with a mutual consent. And uh, so the journey was tough in the sense that I was fully uh, dedicated to the relationship. It, uh, it was something which... Um, I never thought that I would actually divorce. So though I had a career and, uh, you know, uh, for a medic, it is difficult to give up on your career. You are kind of, you you know that you have been ambitious. You know that you had certain goals in life and you want to fulfill those goals. Uh, so you are there with a purpose in life apart from just, uh, um, it's not just marriage, which is about your life. So I did everything to kind of, uh, you know, to give into that marriage, into that relationship. And in India, obviously, it's not just marrying a person. It's like um, the entire family um, uh, that you are accountable for as well. Uh, so I think uh, that was a commitment uh, from my side. Uh, initially, there were a few signals which um, I kind of ignored. I would say I was naive at that stage. Uh, so secondly... I was uh, kind of very focused on my personal and professional goals. So I knew that if I have to do an MD, so I get married, I uh, get through the entrance examination, get into a good MD seat. And after that, uh, when I should plan, you know, for a child and accordingly, how should I go forward? When, when I had plans to buy a house, say, so there's so different kind of things, both in the professional and the personal front. But what happened is there was, I thought I faced a lot of obstructions and uh, it was coming from the family. Uh, the father figure was very dominating and there was oppression of women, though my mother-in-law was highly educated too. She was a doctor as well. She was a pathologist. But somewhere within the family, uh, it was the father figure who kind of uh, dominated 
Uh, and uh, he would look into everything, right? From packing your bags for a vacation to uh, to what would you, which subject would you, would you take and which uh, college uh, would you choose for your MD? So this is something which uh, I had not seen within my uh, own uh, household, my parents, I would say. My parents had always been very encouraging and my father used to be like, you know, um, whenever you're making good choices for yourself, you are in the right, you are heading the right direction. So he doesn't put those obstructions. Whenever they took care of us, it was more for the safety point of view. If they have to drop you to a coaching center, to a teacher for a few days, all that kind of stuff, you know, it was not like holding you back or restraining you from anything. Now, this restraint was something which I felt very, very strongly in my in-law's place. And the same would uh, get transmitted uh, to my ex-husband. Uh, who is to try to, you know, so when I went, moved to a different city like Calcutta, so I was told that even crossing the road is difficult. So I thought there are so many people living in Calcutta and there are so many maids working in Calcutta, domestic helps. Are they all very intelligent and sharp? They all cross the road, right? So why do you think that I cannot? So anyway, uh, so uh, that was the time. But initially the signals that I found, which were, which actually got magnified in a huge way after eight, eight years uh, into that marriage. And those became the very, um, you know, the cause, the cause or the root cause uh, for my uh, thinking differently about the relationship. Where, you know, we did not probably, I did not have any further, I would say, trust and uh, neither love. So these two things were completely gone by the end of that uh, 11 years uh, I mean around eight years nine years the problems had started and uh, highly I would say magnified at that's a uh, point of time uh, so the signals which I did not pick up I thought I was too busy with my you know goals and the way I um, thought about my life along with my husband and the people around um, you know who, who are around with me so I never gauged uh, that these could actually amplify to such a, you know, dimension, huge dimension that would disturb our lives. So that is somewhere where I underestimated stuff. Later on, I have become, I think, um, pretty conscious about these signals wherever in life, not just in marriage, but anywhere. The other thing that I had is, uh, you know, uh, while being uh, focused, I was not giving any time to family politics. This is a big uh, game that is played like as you watch in a soap or a you know serial that you constantly see not all of the stories are really that um, uh, false they do happen um, your every every decision that you're making is actually being taken to the living room and uh, everyone in the family are discussing about it it's not that the family is too big uh, they were just two brothers so their their families and their parents but everything needs to be discussed there opinionated you know, and uh, as if you're choosing something or doing something which is not really good. So it's not that. But still, this was the view that they had. And uh, in every small thing, they had to kind of interfere. Uh, so that is the thing. Uh, so this, these are the few things where I thought I was not, uh, I don't politic even today, whether in office or in my personal space, I don't like that. And uh, hence, I kept myself away from the family politics. But the thing is that I was impacted by all of that. I was impacted in a big way. And even the distance did not matter. People speak on the phone and they, and they tend to disturb you. They don't allow you to take certain decisions of, you know, uh, moving into a different city, a different job, whatever that is. And um, 
from my husband's side, I thought what was missing is commitment. Uh, so I don't think he was ever a family man. <laughs> so I need to realize this. And even now when I reflect, I feel that he was never a family man. His priorities never, never changed. So he was never serious. So when, when I'm looking, when we are trying to look for a house, he's motivated about that thought. But how we invest into it when we are looking at, a, you know, doing it together. Uh, so then his cooperation would just go down. And there was no commitment. There was no end date. Uh, to uh, something that you aspired for and uh, the priorities in his life never changed he was still the son and the brother-in-law and the younger brother and like the younger son you know so he's not thinking about his family life his relationship so he was not willing to invest uh, in this relationship neither and even the money and all this stuff like uh, you know channelizing everything uh, to his moneyed parents so his parents were moneyed already they were both earning well they had retired they still were getting good amount of pension so everyone was well placed but still it was very surprising and shocking that they uh, they kind of uh, tried to siphon out a lot uh, from me as well when I got into a better career better job option into a better pay package and um, so there was a lot of jealousy around, a lot of negativity around. And finally, I thought it was very difficult for me to live under the same roof. And what he had kind of, you know, not, so we never had good communication around this. The problem was that towards the end, uh, we never communicated about this. He would just message me a couple of times. And uh, I took a year uh, to focus on uh, this aspect because I was not able to readily come out of it. I was thinking about, you know, like, you know, people change. So why will, why will uh, he not understand the situation and change? Because it is also for his betterment. So um, he goes down a path of deterioration uh, after he goes out of this relationship. So how come he's not thinking about it? So few friends that I could, uh, we, we commonly connected with, they also tried to speak to him, but nothing really happened. So it was uh, going downhill. Uh, things worsened and uh, gradually the weekends when we were together on a Sunday at home it got very difficult even to speak to each other so you know that by the time I had given myself uh, another year and I had given him the time to uh, you know consider all the aspects around it and because you get dependent on a relationship also uh, you tend to kind of uh, you have a comfort zone as well so somewhere that comfort zone was not there anymore and uh, it, there was no point in continuing the relationship at all. So that's the point when um, I thought I should give up. Uh, and since he has been wanting it, so let him go his way. Give him the, you know, the uh, liberty to or free him up from the relationship, which looks like a bondage now. So it's better to let go. Uh, that letting go was very difficult for me. Um, I don't think it was difficult because he had given me a lot in the relationship. It was not that way. Rather, it was that I had given a whole lot to the relationship to him and his family, whether you talk about emotionally, physically being there for them, uh, medically, like as a doctor, helping them out on various occasions and uh, financially being there. Uh, so he had lost his job. Uh, and was without a job for three months while in Hyderabad. So all of these phases we have, you know, come out of it together. So uh, yes, he was fickle-minded, but there were there were certain other things uh, which where I lost my trust 
uh, and the love. So obviously there was no love or trust to hold on to. So what else uh, do you need? So that's the time when uh, we thought that I should exit. Uh, and uh, when I when I kind of put it across, he was not willing because now he was, I think, thinking of the repercussions or what whatever he would miss. Not the repercussions, but whatever he would miss. Uh, so because the network of friends, I think all of that. Uh, so finally, I came out of it and my parents uh, also suggested that don't go in for an alimony and all that because you have been hurt throughout in this relationship. And if you're going to hold on together, the case is going to drag and then, uh, you know, you will be holding on. You are giving many more years to it again and that's indefinite. So that's when we thought, yes, uh, because I was independent, fully independent and I didn't want to take a kind of money from a person who is like, you know, you know more, um, he's no more dear to you. So why? So that's where I, uh, we came out of it and it was easier that way as well. After that, I had to rebuild, but I would say the a whole one year I took where I was into a very busy uh, new job and, um, you know, so into a leadership role and uh, uh, building up a team from India, which was for the first time uh, in the pharma company. So, uh, it was taking a lot or demanding a lot from me in terms of work. And uh, so while I was giving time to that, I think that was a good. Uh, so when you have a job, you have a place to go to. You have things to look forward to. You have a plan to work along with. You have people and your set of individual, uh, you know, your individual circle of friends and colleagues who stand by you as well. And uh, that support system uh, means a lot. Uh, but on my way to office, I remember my parents, actually, I got a lot of support from my parents. They came and stayed with me as well. Uh, uh, but for one complete year, whenever I used to go to office, the moment I touch my, sit at my desk, I start working and my mind is fully focused on the work. Once I step out of work in the evening, everything keeps playing in my head over and over and over and over again like a recording and this lasted for a year whether I'm commuting I'm going home I'm chatting with my parents I'm watching the tv but these things just keep on going in my head for one complete year but um, another thing which helped me break out of this was uh, we had these different organizations that my uh, the, the people in my organization were helping like you know like uh, old age homes and um, uh, children you know uh, less privileged uh, part of the society so now these places uh, they used to go on a saturday sunday in the weekend and the office arranged buses and all that and this was volunteer work but these were very far from my place and so i had uh, you know still my uh, my commitment to my parents who were around so groceries, etc., etc., all your routine stuff on the weekend that uh, you have to do. Uh, so, so what I did is I took up one thing which was like a multiple sclerosis society of India, which has a Hyderabad chapter that was close to me. So I lived within the city in Panjagutta and this was like uh, close to me in uh, Banjara Hills. So that was one place where I started going. And there I learned that MS was a disease which was normally seen in the West. Okay, we didn't have much experience of MS in India. So, um, but that is the time when we came across so many people who had been uh, diagnosed late because it doesn't present as a very specific sy symptom. And there are people of all age groups who come into it. So, the, you know, when I saw these people, there were people who had good job. Uh, there were people who were studying. And I used to uh, mentor some of these younger people. 
you know, very good dancers who went into MS and they become, you know, completely uh, bedridden. Uh, so all kinds of help and support that was needed for them, along with providing uh, even monetary, some funding for uh, giving them wheelchairs or, you know, different things, a computer, whatever, to enable them. Yeah. So that is how I came. I kind of realized. Yeah. I realized from their life that, uh, you know, I'm much better off than them. I should actually uh, work towards my goals and not feel disappointed or depressed or anything like that. So you always have that uh, thing to rebuild and come back. Your journey uh, through through the the difficult marriage and the decision to go for a for a divorce and some of the things that you did after that. But I want to take a step back and and ask you. Well, growing up, uh, what kind of messaging did you come across regarding marriage and divorce? Was that something uh, discussed in your family, or were there people who were divorced in your circle? Uh, and, and then when the topic came of you walking away from an arranged marriage where presumably both families have looked at each other and, and judged the suitability and then suddenly the people involved want to break it, uh, did you get any pushback? So, you know, what happened earlier in life, like your messaging about divorce that you heard and then mm -hmm. how did that play out in your decision making? Did it delay or did it make you doubt whether your decision was correct? I, I would be interested in hearing that. Yeah, actually, while we grew up, I think we were, um, we have not come across, I have not come across divorce uh, to anyone close in my family, uh, much later in a sister, um, so in a cousin sister, so that's it. Uh, so I was not open to divorce as such. So I was kind of always trying to keep the relationship uh, going good. So I think that is the, that is one place where I made a mistake that I was a little rigid about it. You know, I was rigid about it. But when I actually discussed when the problems became major and I discussed with my parents, my parents were fine with it. But I never thought that they would be fine. I thought they would be impacted as well. They were in a way. They get hurt when your child is hurt. The parent is also hurt. Um, but it was, you know, like staying in the relationship was uh, really bad. It was not uh, serving, uh, you know, any purpose or anything in your life. So obviously you had to walk out. So I did not face any challenges then. And all my well-wishers who were like friends, who were like a um, few colleagues, who were like a few relatives whom I confided in, uh, they also said, you know, that uh, it's better to give up uh, because nothing is there anymore in this relationship. You should come out of it. And even there were certain friends from whom I did not expect, like they said, you should get married again, you know, in a few years from there you should get married. There were neighbors who came and told me, if you're good neighbors, like uh, close to us, uh, they would say like, you are working already. So, so why are you afraid of, you know, uh, taking on uh, again into this, uh, you know, into marriage, a uh, nice relationship? Uh, don't be afraid of it. Okay, that, that's really nice. I think having parental support first and then also you know your close circle if they believe in you yeah you're married or you're separated or you're divorced i think that uh, makes a big difference in how how that journey goes for you because it's still a transition from you yes. had hoped that this marriage will last forever in your own mind you have to make that adjustment that oh this thing which i thought was forever is not there anymore and and then you have to find your feet again in your case mm -hmm. uh, since you didn't have uh, children 
I uh, also wondered that you still invested uh, many years of your life into a relationship because most uh, other people that I talk to, once children are involved, I think the families also get more caught up into what will happen to the child or or children. So there's like yeah. extra pressure, which which no one wants any extra pressure when you're already having a hard time. And, and yet what you've shared uh, is that you yourself wanted to keep it going, right? So you tried really, yeah. really hard to make this work and, and did whatever was required. And, and that must have taken a, a toll on you because the way I see it, divorce is a, a major life event, right? It's more yes. common now and, and we know many people who have gone through it. And like any major life event, which requires support, which requires understanding, and sometimes not everyone who goes through divorce gets it, but everyone who goes through divorce fundamentally changes as a result of having gone through that major life event. Uh, in what way has divorce changed you? Can you share that with us? Yeah, I think uh, today when I think of it, I got remarried again, but um, I wanted to have a few things intact in my life. Uh, whether someone is there or not there, like uh, my finances. I wanted to keep that stable, not, uh, you know, overspend because we may not be earning every time in our life. We may not be earning well all, all of my life. So, but I need to keep, uh, you know, a good um, backup. Uh, so whether I have a partner, I don't have a partner, whatever way it is, I should be able to handle my life independently. Uh, the second is the, you know, the network or the friend circle that you have the few relatives. Relatives are many, but uh, there are few in whom you can confide and share. So I think uh, those few good people, they may not be in touch with you always, but you know that when you need certain kind of help, um, you know, they uh, at least a few of them will be around to help you. So this is the uh, value I found in human beings and uh, even a simple neighbor can be a good friend to you. Uh, so the, this is the, these are the things that I tried to build up. And initially, when I was out of that relationship, I think uh, I had kind of lost my social standing. I felt that also because uh, my own classmates, uh, my own cousins, you know, today they are happier to welcome me into a marriage function or some some big programs or functions that are happening. But uh, somewhere, I don't know whether it's in the Indian uh, mindset that um, as long as, you know, if you're having a good marital relationship, that gives you a, a social standing. So that was somewhere a little missing, I thought. And as soon as I got back into that uh, with a good partner, I think uh, people are happy to welcome us uh, back into their circle. So <laughs> that's there. That has been quite obvious as well. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you on that, right? Because it's one, one is how you look at yourself, your changed status. And how the world looks at you with your change yeah. status. And these two things, it's like, you know, looking at a different face in the mirror, you know, it's almost like you have to get used to a different persona. Mm -hmm. You are the same person, but, you know, yeah. you, you have this outside face, right? Like, oh, now she's by herself again. And they don't know yeah. where to place you. It's almost like, like mm -hmm. you said, social standing, you, you know, that, that nicely drawn out space for you has moved yeah. a bit. And people's perception has changed. And I, I think getting remarried uh, puts a whole another uh, spin on it. And in some ways, I think people are also willing to erase that previous memory because now, again, you show mm -hmm. up as a part of a couple. 
and it's just that okay yeah. you're back okay maybe the partner has changed but you're back which which is really strange and and that's one of the questions i actually like to ask people that um why is there such a hesitation among indians to discuss the divorce right it's almost like no one wants to acknowledge the elephant in the room when you're going through the separation and and the difficulties they can see that you're struggling they can see that there's something different about you and that you are in in a period of uncertainty no one wants to talk about it and it's almost like you know you've been through this grave illness and then you've recovered and they just want to know that you're fine and it's not that anyone's bad but they don't want to talk about that part you know that when yeah. when the cloud was hanging low over you mm. why do you think that is have you given it some thought um well uh if i look at some of my close friends some of my friends um they are a couple right so like on a sunday i used to call up a few people i used to get bored so saturday sunday used to be again hectic for me with all the household stuff and around sunday evening i'll be free so i'll take a walk and i call a few friends but no one really picks up my call because they are all out with their families and if i call three four people one may pick up the call but often no one does so i started feeling very lonely one friend told me that unless you get married uh, you know whenever you go to any occasion any function so everybody will be discussing their family uh, their children their education this that what will you discuss so it's like that it's now that even now i discuss children i don't uh, really but the acceptance i have found is it's it's a very subtle thing but the acceptance has been better then there are couple friends uh, who probably go out on an outing um, so they wouldn't want uh, me as a single person to accompany they have their own securities insecurities kind of so i don't know why but they don't do it even they know you well over the years but still uh, so i think those kind of things are there you would definitely feel those but it's very subtle it's somewhere there and uh, the acceptance i have seen has been there obviously after you get married you look happy you feel happy <laughs> you are walking with a partner kind of so you may still have many problems you know around <laughs> you but then somewhere the acceptance is uh, good enough and uh, they are happy about you also and and your well wishers are definitely happy yeah because they want to see you happy yeah so with respect to your your divorce right so we were in hyderabad when we worked together as colleagues and at, now you are in pune right uh, so yeah. you really also had um, a lot of changes physically uh, physical location your parents moved in with you in yeah. hyderabad they left their home uh, you know your hometown to come there Yeah. What was the most challenging part of the divorce for you? Was it um, the decision? Obviously, you took a long time, but did you have difficulties yeah. on the uh, legal or administrative aspects, or did um, did you have uh, more trouble rebuilding your life, or something else? What was the most challenging aspect for you, rebuilding? Well, the most challenging was uh, to file the petition. Okay. That itself was a big challenge for me. I was like so distraught. uh when i came back uh, from the time when we actually um you know his father passed away he had had cancer uh, so he was well for 5 years and finally he succumbed uh, after 80s in his 80s actually so that was the last uh, thing that we were together and uh, when i came off uh, i looked so distraught 
that was the first time I had taken uh, two weeks of uh, leave from office. I had never taken uh, so long a leave. And uh, my face, I had not looked at my face for, for uh, days together. So I hadn't had, um, you know, good, uh, good appetite for all those days that I was there. So I, it looked almost that I had lost, uh, you know, someone had passed away, someone very close to me, not a father-in-law, but someone else had passed away. So, but anyway, um, the first thing that was difficult was filing the petition. So my father was very, uh, he put a very systematic approach to it. He's, uh, we discussed with the lawyer and all that and how to go about it. And uh, he also helped draft uh, the um, document. But, you know, for me to even look at it, uh, it took me almost six months to get to read it and, uh, you know, then see that everything on the information and whatever we are writing is correct, appropriately worded. Um, so I think that was the most difficult part. Okay. After that, whenever we met uh, in the family court, um, I mean, those were things that you really don't like, you know, but it's unavoidable. The next part was rebuilding. As I said, the first year was very difficult for me. And gradually, when I came out of that, uh, you know, the mind was, was getting freer. Uh, that helped me rebuild faster. Okay. Um, so, obviously, you have read my book. And uh, yes. not just because you know me, but also because, you know, we've both been through divorce. So, um, yeah. was there any part of the book that, that resonated with you or anything you took away from, from my book? Yeah, quite a few. Actually, uh, there were many instances uh, where you have uh, mentioned that there was kind of a blame game always, you know. So the blame game does happen. It does happen. And I don't know whether the other side also feels the same, but it does happen to the woman. And many people look down on the woman. And uh, however, you might be an intellectual person, intellectually developed and, uh, you know, you're reasonable, whatever may be your good attributes. But still, uh, the blame game does happen and you feel belittled in a relationship. Uh, you feel that you have uh, given more, you have lost more, those kind of things, you know. So by the time we build our uh, uh, home again, uh, so uh, you are also build, rebuilding your confidence. You are building your, uh, you know, uh, all, all kinds of confidence. Again, the people around you on whom you are dependent, uh, like, uh, you know, you maybe a driver or whatever. So you are trying to keep yourself secure. I think I, I, your book had a lot of detailing, uh, which um, you actually have reflected and written down. Um, so in my case, I tend to forget. <laughs> and, uh, you know, forgetting initially, as I said, was very difficult. Uh, but letting go is the best thing. So nowadays, some, some, some friends tell me that you have forgotten a lot. So, you know, whatever it is, even about some people and all that. I said, it's easy. It's better to forget. You can, you know, bad memories need not be there. You know, some good things are there. It's good. So uh, from your book, I think the detailing that you have done that probably I wouldn't have uh, gone back to do, to sit and do. Uh, uh, but I really appreciate um, your inner courage to, you know, go back, reflect, put down the details in a way like even what happened on a particular day. Uh, it's like how you uh, probably were trying to struggle, you know, building up your home again, have your uh, daughter, you know, being attended to fully when she's sick. Again, your father there, 
you know, those kind of things are very detailed. I don't know how you have written, you have written diary probably throughout uh, so that you could capture those moments. <laughs> yeah, that detailing. But yes, from your life, what I learned is like, you know, like yoga actually helps you build back. It gives you the uh, mental ability to uh, the fle flexibility. It gives you somehow, you know, meditation, yoga gives you a lot of uh, inner change, uh, the positivity that comes into you. And uh, that gradually gets rid, helps you to get rid of the negativity. And um, later it so happens that you identify that negativity very quickly. So even if you're walking into a shop, you don't like the vibes of the person, of the place, you just walk out. That wasn't the case earlier. That's so true. I think that there is like an enhanced sensitization. Yes. And also, yes. I think it's probably now that you say it, it feels almost like a overcompensation because earlier, I think we, like you said, there were red flags in, in your marriage. Yeah. Early, yeah. You, Absolutely. You were, you were getting the signals and you were tamping those down and overriding those concerns, the signals mm -hmm. that you were getting. And now that you're out of that unhappy marriage, you are more willing to listen to your own intuition to your instincts yeah and less willing to say let me just bulldoze my way through it and, and now you're more careful with the things you do yeah by, uh, where you show up how you uh, you know plan certain things you're, you're so right I had not thought about it that that's really true in your uh, yeah. post-divorce life um, what has been a major source of support for you you know either emotionally physically mm -hmm. I, I know your, your parents were are even today uh, you know, a major pillar in your life. But yeah. what else would you consider as major source of support in your post-divorce? So, um, of course, um, you know, having a job uh, gives you a different uh, place to go to, a different set of people, and all of them don't know your real situation. So there you cannot actually uh, always hold on to your personal stuff and uh, you are dealing with real situations in the workplace. So, you know, that takes you away from your... Um, from your traumatic uh, you know reflections I would say uh, so that diverts your mind a whole lot that has been very helpful uh, gradually you grow in your career you start you know refocusing and doing better so that helps you uh, you know come come back um, into into a, I would say into the uh, into the life that you would like to be a part of and you keep learning a lot and I think my colleagues and friends uh, have been helpful there were certain friends and family friends and also from my in-law side I would say the not the immediate family but away from them you know some of them still wish me on my birthday and uh, they have been supportive uh, about me that has give, given me also a lot of uh, you know strength that I was uh, I was not guilty or I, I was not wrong you know I, I never felt guilty because I thought that these are the things that I invested upon and for so, so long so I've done, given my best. Now it didn't click, so let it go. Enough is enough now. So, you know, that thought. And some of these people have actually uh, wanted to, you know, like um, give give me back probably, you know, they felt, I don't know why, they were not even uh, people from my side, but they have felt for me. And there were couples who knew us well, family friends who knew us well. They have continued the support uh, for me. So though I was in Hyderabad, um, but right now I've been in Hyderabad, say, for 16 years. And there were people who told me, you know, like, we have moved to Gurgaon. Why don't you come to Gurgaon now and stay, take a job here and stay close to us? We'll help you out of this. But then I said, no, I moved to Hyderabad first. I have my friend circle. I have uh, good neighbors and all of that, you know. So they stood by. They, 
so I think that was one big thing. The money was a big stability that you get if you continue with your job. One thing that you should always avoid under any situation is for me is, uh, you know, getting any imbalance in your mind. So psychologically, whatever you are being affected, so you can cry for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year, but you should bounce back. You have to bounce back. Whatever situation, whether there is a death, uh, whether you lose a child, whether there is sickness, whether there's sickness in you or someone around you, whom you, a loved one. But somewhere you have to think what you must let go and what you can hold on to without causing a lot of self-damage. So that is very important that you hold yourself. You may lose your health for some time. You know, you may lose your sleep for some time. But losing your mind is something that we should uh, always try to bounce back. Sports is one thing that helps me also. Like I play badminton even with a uh, say 12 year old girl I used to play in the building. After I came back from work, she used to play well. She wouldn't drop the shuttle so much. So I used to play with her because uh, women of my age were busy attending to their families at that point of time, you know, at 7 p.m. So these were the outlets that I kind of, uh, you know, helped me out of the situation. So you have actually indirectly answered the next question, which was like, what is the one uh, main advice you would like to give women who are, uh, let's say, hesitating from walking out yeah. of unhappy marriage? Um, you, you talked about some of the things that helped you, but if you had to pick one, yeah. what, what would your advice be? First is, you know, ask for help. Now, when you ask for help, it's not that you go to everyone possible. No. You have to be a little sensitive about, you know, who will help me around which area I think this person would do it best for me. Sometimes you're not able to gauge that well, but you have to ask for help. If you stay, you know, within a corner of the house, just brooding, 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 it will not work out for you. So nothing will develop, uh, you know, from there you have to go ahead. So somewhere you have to drop that baggage and move ahead. So I think reading helps a lot reading uh, motivational books. I have been talking to you, to Shailaja, uh, to, you know, with whom I could open up. And I had no fear of repercussion there. So and these were people, you know, they wouldn't like hit me back. You know, they wouldn't misguide me. You may not give me, uh, you may not be able to give me the right advice or the right solution, which is fine. But you are at, at least, um, you know, uh, uh, someone listening to me actively. You know, you emotionally at least tell me, okay, let me know when you need some help. Right. So, you know, that kind of sense. So that gives you some, um, th that is where you start coming out. So even I have been an introvert before, you know, but after that, I have felt, uh, I think I developed this habit of feeling less vulnerable when I speak up. I may speak up about my weaknesses also. Now, I'm a sensitive person. Um, I don't like you. You don't come to my house. But this particular thing, I, will, I wouldn't speak before in my earlier days. But now I'm very clear that, you know, I like um, certain things about you. So this is how we share, um, say, a good friendship. This is something that I don't like. You know, so I felt less vulnerable even about saying about my weaknesses. So probably um, I will say, no, I don't get proper sleep in the night. I sleep a little late. So people may take advantage of you. That's what you feel initially that everybody, wherever you say something, people are going to take advantage of you uh, or your weakness. But you really don't need to feel like that. You should be able to, you know, no, this is right about me. You need not worry. I'm taking care of that. So and you need to more... reach out to a doctor. 
yeah yeah more honest about you know your needs yeah be honest be open uh, do not let people take advantage of you but don't be so afraid every time that they will take advantage of you you can put them you know you can show them the door you can tell them now stop enough is enough i understand you want to do this i don't like it so yeah. you have to be i think uh, assertive there okay so it's been great talking to you I, i do want to still ask you the last question which i ask all my guests is um, do you really uh, truly believe that it's possible to rewrite your happily ever after after a divorce <laughs> yeah um you know i have tried it uh, probably the way that you uh, have written it you have done a great job because uh, you know writing a kind of um, something which is at the length of a novel you know your book is like a novel so reading that um, i would feel like will someone read my story uh, you know will really someone spend so much time to read a, no a novel like a thing so i will not do it that way i will do it in in uh, terms of you know short stories incidents in terms of short stories and uh, some poetry i already have written a few uh, it does come out it does come out you know in some way or the other so writing i i have been doing and will be doing uh, but i think creative writing has stopped i have got a, um, some mental block out there which i'm trying to overcome but i'll bring it in pieces and bits and pieces which will be like interesting to read and people can connect and there'll be uh, some learning or some take away message uh, from there some motivation probably that people can draw from there and uh, that will help others as well you you've taken my question like literally to write but what i was I, implying was like can someone have a full life a happy life after going through something like it was like can because yes, yes, absolutely ever after always requires like you know prince charming to come riding on a horse and and to rescue and mm -hmm. no one really talks about what happens when the, when the relationship breaks down so my goal for writing the book was to say that there is life after divorce in fact you can after have that. a very good life and yes it's a journey yes it's a transition but guess what you know there's uh, you can really be happy again and and that's yes. the thing with through these interviews and and you are my latest guest uh, to say that you can have a good life even though you have gone through a difficult phase so that's a phase but that you can right so i i just wanted to hear from you that yes you can rebuild a very good life and i think uh, all of us who know you um, know that you are remarried and and you're happily married again and i think that uh, your happiness um, is contagious right one happy person can make many people happy and i really others happy that. yeah so so yeah. i think seeing that from your side i i really admire you for walking away from a relationship that didn't work for you and and you've taken responsibility as as an only child for your parents you've always been there for them yeah. as well as taking care of yourself so i really admire you and i really thank you once more for agreeing to uh, to this interview so thank you priya thank you so much ranjini because you've been also part of my life and uh, drawn inspiration from you uh, i haven't uh, really heard these things from you until reading your book i wouldn't know the details uh, but um, i think i mean all of you uh, helped me bounce back in fact so when we open up uh, the the kind of energies and vibes around you the good people around you they um, they automatically contribute to your bouncing back as well yeah So thanks again. 